This is episode 21 of the Christian Travelers Network. Today, Esther Fan is joining us from Australia to share a little bit about her organization, the Christian Backpackers. Welcome to the Christian Travelers Network, where travel stories, community, and scripture combine. Hey, Christian Travelers, so glad that you are here. We have an awesome guest who is joining us today. She's going to be talking a little bit about her um, meetup group in Australia. And before she joins us, I just wanted to once again remind you to subscribe to our podcast at christiantravelers.net. There we have some awesome tools for you, including how to budget and prepare for your travel spiritually and to see God along your travels and be able to share him along the way. I do want to apologize because we did have some technical difficulties while recording this podcast. I've done my best to edit it so that it is clear as possible, so please just bear with us because there is some amazing content. But without further ado, let's introduce Esther Fan. She is a Kiwi, New Zealander, currently based in Melbourne, Australia. She is a veterinarian and a well-seasoned traveler. Outside of travel and treating dogs, cats, horses, cows, and the odd alpaca or guinea pig, she maintains an overactive lifestyle involving soccer, salsa, playing violin in a band, multi-day hikes, and what we will talk about today, organizing Christian backpackers. Hey Esther, we're so glad that you're here. So can you introduce yourself? Tell us a little about, about some of your travel hobbies. Yeah, so... Um... Like you said, I'm a Kiwi and I'm based in Australia at the moment, um, working with small animals and doing a bunch of other things. Um, Yeah, one thing that's really important to me is my music. Um, I've been playing violin since I was about four. Um, But yeah, I've done exams and played in church and offices and um, done a bit of busking. And yep, now I play in a band. Um, But it's just a cool thing to be able to take with you um, when you're traveling. So I've actually been surprised at how I've been able to draw the violin to play in, um, in the country. Um, and a couple of um, times popped to mind. So there was one time I was in um, I was in China and I was uh, visiting a friend and doing a bit of English teaching at her brother's language school. Um, and I was walking along the street one night and I saw a busker. Um, he was playing the guitar and singing, um, and he sounded really good. I didn't know what he was singing, but he um, sounded good. And for some strange reason, I thought, oh, uh, I think he could do with a violin. So I approached him somewhat awkwardly and said, oh, um, you know, you sound good. Um, I like the music. Uh, I play the violin, and I was just thinking, and he actually finished my sentence. He said, oh, do you think that we should you know, play together? And I said, yeah, I think, yeah, I think so. So we exchanged details and we arranged, um, you know, the next day, same time, same place, um, just have a bit of a jam on the street. Um, and then I thought, oh my goodness, I have 24 hours to source myself a violin. Um, so fortunately, you haven't thought of that one, had you, Esther? So fortunately, um, my friend's brother was quite a well-known kind of respected man and he uh, had a contact, he had a contact, he had a contact, he had a violin. So we got hold of him and asked him to um, give it to us the next day. And sure enough, it turned up, but actually it had no bow. And he thought, oh, does not have a bow? And I said, oh, yeah, nah, but uh, 
don't worry, we'll, we'll get you one, you know, we'll buy you a bow. And I thought, no, no, you can't do that for me, you can't do that for me, you just go, you know, jam on the feet. <laughs> so I said, I'll, I'll buy the bow, you know, because for me it's not a lot of money, but for them it would have been. And in true Chinese hospitality, they said, no, no, you know, you don't pay a cent, we will buy this for you <laughs> as a gift. So they bought my bow, <laughs> and then at 6 o'clock that night, there I was with a little bit of a crowd because, you know, these people who were forced to buy them for me. Um, you know, playing, playing with a stranger, playing songs I didn't know, um, but it was fun. Um, I never saw him again, but I think sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's just about the moment, um, you know, making music, creating beauty, and that's what I did. Um, yeah, and then there was another time in Bolivia. Um, I was there for a couple of months doing um, a mission work at the university, and I thought, you know, it'd be nice to have a violin. To, to play at church and also, you know, with the students and things. Um, and I've noted that at, in the middle of the kind of city, it was a small city, more like a town, um, at about eight, the building at, at about 8 o'clock every night, there would be a whole bunch of school kids that would come out, um, most of them carrying instruments on their backs. And I thought, oh, I'm pretty sure one of those is a violin tank. So um, I asked um, Mark, who was a, a local who was working with us, uh, to take me there. So um, in the city, it's, I guess it's quite a poor place, so there's not a lot of cars, and she's lines that come around on motorbikes, which suits me fine. I love motorbikes. It just gets a bit dusty at home. So, yeah, so Mark took me there on the back of his motorbike, um, and I went in to check it out. And, you know, there's a lady at the entrance, and she says, oh, uh, I saw... Um, so I went to the entrance, and I could see and hear behind... Um, sort of a band or an orchestra of students kind of playing. And there was a lady there and she said, oh, are you here to pick up your daughter or son as well? And I said, no, I don't have a daughter or son here, but I'm actually looking to see if I could um, learn to borrow a violin. And she goes, oh, well, my daughter plays violin, but she doesn't play it here. She's playing the keyboard here, but we've got the violin at home. So why don't you come home with us tonight and pick it up? And I thought, oh, okay, cool. Um, turns out her daughter, her daughter's name is Esther as well, so she really liked me. Uh, and I said, I want to, I'm going to the mission work, I'd like to play at church and things. And she goes, oh, we're Christians too, um, you should come and play at our church, you know. So, <laughs> so, uh, Mark and I followed her and her daughter back, um, after the, the band had finished. And went to her house, she brought up this violin, it was kind of wrapped in a towel. Um, but it, you know, it was functional, looked good, had a bow. Um, and she said, yeah, you just take it, you know, nothing, just complete stranger, just, just take it. Um, and I said, cool, um, do you have a case for it? And she's kind of looking at me strangely like, what's a case? You know, why would you need a case for a violin? <laughs> and so I said, oh, you know, do you have a, a box or, you know, a biscuit box or, a, I don't know, a game box I could just kind of put it in? And she ended up giving me a pillowcase, <laughs> which, as you can imagine, offered a lot of protection for, you know, an instrument. So there I was, um, you know, riding back at about 11 o'clock at night on the back of the motorbike, one hand clutched around Mark's waist for him to hold on, and the other hand holding this violin in the pillowcase with some of the bow sticking out the top. And I said to Mark, you know, please drive safely because you've got special cargo on the back, and it's not me. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it was great. I ended up playing at her church and my church. I played in the daughter's orchestra one night. Um, uh, and on returning the violin, um, I returned it to And also, I returned the violin in a case, in inverted commas, that I had made out of a garbage box 
and what was with me. That's really cool. <laughs> huh. How long have you been playing the violin? Uh, since I was four. Yeah, probably before I could, like, speak or <laughs> do other useful things. But, you know, violin it is. <laughs> yeah, that's really neat. Yeah. Huh. So, Esther, you were the first person that I talked to about travel ministry when I was considering starting the Christian Travelers Network and just trying to figure out this need that I saw in the community. Um, what is your definition of travel ministry? What does it mean to you? Mm. Um, oh, yeah, that's cool. I didn't know I was the first person that you talked to. Um, that's special. <laughs> um, yeah, I guess... Um, I mean, sometimes I'll say travel ministry, um, and other times I'll choose to say something perhaps like, you know, the topic of travel and faith. Um, because, yeah, sometimes I think I see the definition of travel ministry in people's minds is a little bit too skinny. Um, yeah, like they might think, okay, you know, you're going to travel to minister to people, or you're going to minister to travelers. Um, but for me, I mean, travel ministry is much broader. It's got a wider kind of definition. Um, it encompasses, you know, what I've just mentioned. Um, definitely think it's you know, a good idea to take our faith with us and, and share that with others. Um, but also it involves asking, um, what does God think of travel? Um, how can I see and know more of God in my journey? Um, sort of encouraging the theology of travel, perhaps, if I'm using the word in the right context. Um, and, yeah, it's important to me because I've been blessed have a solid upbringing in the church um, and I've always been taught to question and think deeply about what I do and why I do it. But somehow, even though travel is popular now, um, even not Christians, um, the conversations about faith and travel, I feel, are left out of Christian circles. So just trying to bring that to the attention um, yeah, of people today um, yeah, is important. So from this idea, you also started kind of your own ministry called the Christian Backpackers. It's a meetup mm. in Australia. How did that start? Mm. Um, I guess it started uh, with me, not to sound kind of self-centered, um, but I sort of identified a need, I think, because I was the need. Um, I was the one in need um, as I traveled, you know, before I set off on um or maybe my initial sort of first week, um, I think four months ago, um, I struggled quite a bit with questioning, you know, should I go? Was this a selfish pursuit of money? Was this a selfish pursuit? Uh, was this a waste of money? And when I was overseas, I uh, often missed the routine of going to church and having fellowship with other believers. And I found it quite easy to let my work with God kind of slide a little bit. Um, but on the converse, um, when I did bump into other believers or get myself to church, I just felt like it was a breath of fresh air and a reminder of what was important to me. Um, yeah, the specific idea of a meetup or a networking group um, came largely from a couchsurfing event that I attended in Brazil. Um, are you familiar with couchsurfing? A little bit, but I've never done any couchsurfing myself. Yeah. So it's a great platform. Um, yeah, I mean, it's a little bit like Airbnb, I guess. You can you know, find places to stay with or offer up um, 
place for the travellers to come. Um, but the other section is um, section just for the networking um, and messaging and events. Um, so a lot of local events are advertised on there. So um, I was in Brazil. It was the time of the Football World Cup in 2014. So it was just nuts. It was a great atmosphere, a lot of people. Um, yeah, and I was advised kind of um, not to go to Rio. Rio didn't go alone because it can be super unsafe. Um, and, you know, a single girl shouldn't travel there by herself. Um, but I was determined to go, and I didn't know anybody. Um, so, yeah, I checked myself into a backpacker hostel and then headed down to the couchsurfing event, um, which I found online. Um, and it was held at a kiosk, which is kind of a little bar, mini bar on the beach. And actually some of my dorm mates in the same hostel, um, who I just should have met, um, they were loners as well, and so we ended up going together. Um, and it was a good night. We just got chatting to the people there, um, my friends, um, people just from all over the world. And then, you know, we kind of swapped details and, and arranged to meet the next day and go cycling together and things like that. Um, and I just left there thinking, yeah, that was cool. It was just easy to find. It was casual. It was all so nice. And felt like you could just uh, make friends quite easily and slot into a bit of community. And then I wondered, man, how cool would it be have something similar but for Christian travellers. So real Christian and arrived in a new place and didn't know anybody and wanted, you know, maybe to go to church or just a bit of fellowship, you could, you know, log in and, and check up and see, oh, what are the, whatever you call them, Christian couchsurfers or, you know, Christian backpackers, um, what are they doing today or this week and maybe I can meet them um, and have that same kind of, yeah, friendship and community to slot into. Um, yeah, and then a couple of other things that have sort of um, helped us piece together. Um, there's one, yeah, one encounter um, with a guy called Scott. Um, he was from the US. Um, I was in Rio and Bolivia at the time, and he, I was doing, I was doing a bit of mission work at the university, um, and he was working on a project in the Amazon for endangered birds or something. And he came, his team came to our university to do a presentation on bird blood sampling or something like that, which I kind of don't exactly use in my daily life. Um, <laughs> he, yeah, he uh, identified myself and the missionary I'm working with as you know, non-Bolivian and came to talk to us. And yeah, we invited him back to um, the missionary's house and you know, we had a meal together. And over the course of his time there, we sort of met up quite a bit and um, you know, invited him to church and things like that. And at the end of his day, he said, you know, I'm so glad I met you because I've been wanting to have a Christian conversation for a while, but I've had no one to talk to. And when he said I had no one to talk to, I knew he meant I actually have no one to talk to in English, let alone about spiritual matters. Um, because I know he was staying in the middle of nowhere, he had to manage to do a translator, and yeah, I just thought, man, I wonder how many uh, other Scots are out there just, you know, traveling, doing a good work, having a good time, but just hungry for, you know, Christian conversation. Um, yeah, so that's one of the other things that sort of made me start. Um, and the last is just the hospitality that I received when I was traveling. Um, just had such, you know, warm welcomes and a lot of help from like friends or extended family or extended family of friends who I knew in New Zealand. Um, 
hostel owners and even just strangers. And I guess you know, traveling it makes you feel um it makes uh, traveling makes you realize how vulnerable you can be and how helpless you are to you know in some situations get yourself to the place where you need to be. Um, so it can be quite humbling. And I know I can never you know um fully thank or or repay um. You know, all the people that have helped me and shown me all this hospitality um, on my travels. But what I feel I can do is kind of um, you know, pass it on or pay it forward, if you like. Um, and so, yeah, just doing Christian backpackers, even though I can't have a lot of people you know, stay at my house all the time, um, it is sort of a way of just serving the backpackers in the community, um, just like I was um, you know, on the receiving end a few years ago. That's really awesome how God has just kind of worked through different situations in your life to bring this ministry into fruition. Mm. Mm. So when I think of couch surfing, I typically think of like you stay at someone's house on their couch and yada, yada. Mm -hmm. I don't typically think of these events. Do you just do events or do you house people or how does that work? Mm. Yeah, well, my accommodation situation at the moment, I actually can't have um, anybody, and I guess it's a bit of sort of investment in time, you know, having to be there to, to let people in and sometimes take them around, that sort of thing. So maybe in the future I would be keen on that. Um, yeah, I mean, always people bring up the safety kind of issue, and yes, you have to be you have to be careful. That's why you've got profiles. You have references. Um, you know, if you, if you do it together with, you know, you're in class and that sort of thing, it can be just a bit safer. Um, so I, I don't house people. I have stayed with a couple of people um, when I've been traveling. It hasn't been my main source of accommodation. Um, but, yeah, what I've mainly used it for is, you know, finding events um, that are going on um, in the city um, and also just meeting up with people. So I think after Rio, I went into Brazil, I went to another city and I stayed with my friend, but she had to go to work um, in the day, and um, I managed to, yeah, just find another guy who was, um, he was a local, but he was sort of there to kind of show people around if they needed to and just kind of hang out. Like, he didn't house people, but he was willing to meet up. So, yeah, just kind of meet up with him, and he took me around for the day, and, yeah, just having that sort of um, connections with people. So you can do that as well. It doesn't always have to be about, yeah, staying um, with people and definitely not staying on the couch. I don't think I've ever slept on the couch. <laughs> Always had like nice bed, mm. <laughs> nice bed, and you know, yeah, proper accommodation. But it depends. They'll specify where you'll be sleeping in their profile. <laughs> okay, well, I learned something new. Yeah, yeah. Um, with the Christian backpackers, what kind of events do you host? Yeah, well, um, all sorts really. It just sort of depends on the season and, um. You know what's going on in the city and things like that. We try to have um, at least one a month, uh, and we've been to you know just meet at cafes or um, bars. Um, in the summertime, we've had a couple of beach days or beach picnics. Um, the hikes are always popular. Uh, and a few of those. Um, we've been to the footy, uh, the football Australian football league. Um, footy is quite a Melbourneian kind of thing to get into, so we've been to one of those. Um, yeah, last month we had, um, I actually gave a talk, you know, kind of similar to what we might be talking about today on actually what travel and faith kind of means. Um, and then our next 
uh, event is we're just going to one of um, the bigger market markets in Melbourne, so the Queen Victoria Night Market, to celebrate a weird thing that Aussies and Kiwis call um, either Christmas in July or Midwinter Christmas. <laughs> I think it's a bit jealous that you guys have Christmas and lots of snow, so we decided to like, I don't know, make our own Christmas in the middle of winter to kind of, you know, hear what it might be like to live in one of those kind of things. <laughs> Um, one of these. Uh, yeah. So our events are they're social. Um, you know, they're for the fun and we want to be networking and just meeting people. But at the same time, I want to encourage people to think about um how we're how what we are doing relates to their faith um, if they have one. So just going a bit deeper, not just talking about um, the weather and where you're from and things like that. Um. So for example, um, after the the football game, we went. You know, to a bar and just had a beer and some chips. But then we talked about sports and faith. You know, how do they connect? Um, when we've been on hikes, they were sat down for lunch. Um, and then I've just given a bit of a talk on, on nature. And, you know, does that point you to be a creator or a higher sort of being sort of thing if you don't have a faith or if you are a Christian? You know, does being among creation, um, does that, yeah, show you more about God or help you from your faith as a creator? Um, yeah, when we went to the beach for a picnic, I think we just sort of discussed, well, you know, does food have anything to do with faith? You know, us eating here, is that anything, you know, good, bad, um, you know, in our spiritual lives, just, you know, physical nourishment, does it have sort of deeper meaning? So, yeah, just getting people to, to think in that sort of way. So, hopefully, when they're on their travels or as they continue their travels, they can, um, yeah, learn to think for themselves and how does my travels relate to my faith? That's really cool, and that's awesome that you're challenging people to think about how faith and travel correlate. That's kind of my goal here as well, but I'm interested, what kind of uh, cool stories have you experienced uh, with your meetup, or how have you seen God active there? Um, so, yeah, a significant one in the last six months, I guess, was how I met Alison. Um, Alison's a lovely lady who facilitates Christian meditation in the CBD in Melbourne um, as an outreach to the people working there. Um, we, were put in the, we were put in touch by a mutual friend who's a mission worker in Thailand. Um, and actually, Alison and I got to know each other over the phone. Um, I was there. I was working in New Zealand at the time, and uh, she was in Melbourne. And then we met each other um, in Thailand uh, later on in the year when we both attended uh, a gathering of Christian traveling ministries called the River. And Alison's just been an amazing help and encouragement to me in my ministry. She's a lot of experience. Um, and she's, I guess, doing sort of a similar thing. Um, but she's also allowed us to use her venue in the CBD to hold our meetup. So, for example, we've had um, a Christmas barbecue there. We've um, had more cultural celebrations like St. Pat's Day and Chinese New Year and uh, Passover had them um, at this location and it's just been a huge blessing because having um, a familiar kind of central location where people can keep coming back to is um, essential for building community and we were sort of lacking that um, yeah last year uh, until we were able to use this place and I guess just thinking you know it's a bit like um, being on the road or traveling where you don't have sort of a constant place or a familiar place that you're always coming back to um, when you're, you know, journeying from one location to the other, it can be a little bit unsettling. You know, it's exciting, but it's yeah, it's harder to build community 
um, any part of to form those relationships. We just feel a bit kind of, yeah, together, I think. Um, so, yeah, the same is for our fishing back hockey group. Yeah, um, another story I'd like to share, I guess, is, is not my own. Um, it belongs to Tash, who's a gorgeous young backpacker who Rob brought into our group last year. Um, and when she left, she actually wrote me a message, and, um, and she said, and you know, she's happy for me to quote her, um, I landed in Melbourne with no clue about how my time there was going to turn out. I knew next to nothing about the classic travel issues, such as accommodation, uh, and I honestly found myself feeling quite lonely living in a new city when I'm from a small town in England. I actually searched Christian Backpackers on Facebook on a bit of a whim. The idea just popped into my head on a day when I was trying to get my new Australian life together. And before I knew it, I'd sent a message and poured out my troubles, not expecting any response. But the next thing I know, I had a message that had answered some of my questions. <laughs> that one message became a coffee date, and no, that coffee date was with me, <laughs> not... Um, like not a dashing young Melbourne, uh, and then an invite to church. Uh, and I got to know the loveliest people at church and on the hikes that Christian Backpackers organised. After only six weeks, I left Melbourne with a full heart to safely in all of the way God worked in my life while I was in that city. And Christian Backpackers do an awesome and such an important job branching out to all who are looking for Christian fellowship, and the group will always hold a special place in my heart. That's beautiful, and that's very encouraging, uh, not only for you, but also that uh, you're getting to reach out to some people and they're being impacted by what you're doing. Mm. And yeah, I mean, the, the feedback's so, you know, so important, so encouraging, um, and it's sort of what keeps us going, um, you know, this mutual kind of encouragement between people. Um, I'm still in contact with Tash, actually, just messaged her the other day. Um, she's back home now, but we still keep in touch. So yeah, so that, that's super cool. Um, had a pathology lecturer once who said um, in his, I think it was gut pathology that he was lecturing on, but he just stuck a slide in there saying, um, encouragement is oxygen to the soul. And I've always kind of held on to that, that, you know, we do need this information and positive feedback and just encouragement in our life um, to keep us going in whatever we're doing, whether it be travel or ministry or, you know, housework, I don't know. Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I like that quote. I like that a lot. Yes, I'm actually making it famous. I don't really, again, I don't really make anything from that lecture. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, who needs gut pathology? <laughs> so what do you see is the vision or the future of Christian backpackers? Hmm. Well, I guess the, the broad or the, uh, the wide vision um, would not be too dissimilar to that of your Christian travelers network. Um, I'd love to see a generation of Christian travellers who use their journeys to deepen their faith, um, and we can achieve that in many different ways. Um, specifically for our meetup in Melbourne, um, yeah, I just just want to be all about kind of community. So I'd love to see you know, um, you know, really tight knit, but an open community where we can fellowship together and you know, invite travellers into, um, and they can feel the connection um, and the hospitality. Uh, whether they stay, you know, one day in the city or you know, a few weeks or you know, a year's working holiday visa and whatnot. Um, and if I dare to dream, and I haven't, I guess, talked much about this um, even to uh, my own backpacker people, um, I'd love it to go global. So a little bit like, um, I guess, couch surfing, which is international. 
Um, yeah, it'd be awesome if we have Christian backpackers in lots of different cities, every city in the world, <laughs> while we're at it. Um, you know, and so people would know about it and know that there's you know, usually things going on. And again, just like chances, you can arrive here and say, oh, I don't know anyone, but I'll just look up what they're doing and just kind of join an event and, um, and get connected. So, yeah, it doesn't hurt to read. <laughs> we'll see what God does in this department. That's an awesome goal, and I would love to see that. Um, if I never make it to Australia, it would be great to have it here, but if not, I hope someday to get to visit you there. You're welcome, please. <laughs> I'll give you my couch. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, I guess, what is some advice? You talk a lot about how faith and travel correlate and things. What is some advice that you have for uh, the travelers tuning in today? Mm. Um, I think it's you know, mainly you know take your like, take your faith with you and and plan to take your faith with, with you. Um, we what well, what we usually end up doing when we're preparing for our travels is spending a lot of time um, you know working out um, where we're going and buying the cheapest tickets and looking you know the best accommodation and vibes and things. Um, but often we don't give a lot of thought to kind of our spiritual. Um, lives or health, um, particularly if you're going for a longer journey. And so just, yeah, planning to um, to maybe take, you know, a Bible or download an app on your phone or planning to, you know, visit um, some churches when you're over there, just, just that sort of thing so you know that your faith isn't going to fly um, or be a bit pushed in your um, different environments. Um, yeah, travel is, is awesome. Definitely recommend it. Um, lots of fun. But just know that it won't fulfill all your inmost deepest longings. I think sometimes we succumb um, to, a, to a lie or a half truth, I guess, that you know, trouble is just the epitome of everything. You know, it's just so much fun. It's always fantastic. And, you know, the best experience you can ever have as a young person, that sort of thing. Um, but yeah, it can be lonely and confusing at times and it's not always fun. Um, so that's really where your faith um, and fellowship are so important. Um, so don't neglect that kind of area as you're planning your trip. Um, and maybe a bit of practical um, advice uh, for everyone. Um, yeah, one of my most kind of useful positions, treasured positions on my trips now is actually a paper wallet. Um, it, it was an impulse buy for me. I was at the airport in Argentina um, trying to use up my pesos and I kind of just bought this paper wallet. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's the wallet that's made out of paper. Um, and it fits your notes and a few coins um, and your cards if you like. But to be honest, you should be having all your cards and credit cards and things safely strapped to you um, next to your flesh in the money belt, not just kind of hanging on a wallet in your pocket. Um, but it's just, yeah, it's a fantastic little kind of item. Um, the advantage is that it's thin and inconspicuous, so it's easy to handle, you know, if you're pulling it in and out all the time, you know, at markets and things. Uh, it slides into your pocket like a folded bit of paper. So it makes you, um, yeah, I guess less likely to be a target for sex and things. And it's super sturdy um, and waterproof, as I found out by accident. <laughs> I had, um, I jumped into the river along the interstate to cool off um, on our way to Machu Picchu. And I thought, oh, well, there's something in my pocket, you know, like that's how you know, inconspicuous it was. And sure enough, it was there. So I swam to the shore and handed my sister this kind of soggy mess. But by the time I had my swim and I had gotten out and dried myself off, um, my wallet and ornaments inside 
on his write-off too. So I still have it to this day, I have one, but I've got the wallet. <laughs> and yeah, that's just a cool little thing that I've discovered on my travels. Wow, I will have to check that out. That sounds yeah, kind of handy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so one of the questions I love to ask everyone who comes on the podcast mm. is, what is your biggest God moment in all of your travels? Mm. Um, hmm, biggest one? Uh, I've had a few, I guess. Um, yeah, well, this one... This one relates to, I guess, when I was um, was younger, but it's been significant. Um, yeah, I've, I've traveled a lot when I was young, I guess, maybe my first plane ride was when I was maybe one or two years old. Um, but I've always been scared of turbulence. Um, probably a common thing, I don't know. Um, and, I mean, I wouldn't show it. I wouldn't kind of, you know, be reaching and bending and vomiting and whatnot, but I would just, you know, kind of curl up into a ball and just have a bit of a meltdown on the inside. And uh, so this was happening uh, one flight. Um, I don't know how old I was, I think probably, you know, maybe 10 or 12 or something like that, or maybe a bit older. And I just had this image, um, or the thought, not quite a vision, but um, this image of, you know, the pilot sort of coming down the aisle um, and sort of tapping me on the shoulder and saying, you know, hey, Esther, you know, don't be scared, don't be anxious. Um, we're just going through a bit of turbulence. Um, it'll be a bit bumpy, but I'm in control, and I know what's happening, and this will pass. And we'll be fine. Um, just trust me. And perhaps I would say, you know, yes, Captain. And he would walk back to his cockpit and do his thing. And then I thought, well, if I continue to panic um, and imagine, you know, the plane plunging down into the ocean and, you know, these were our last hours on Earth and things like that and just, you know, freaking out still after he had spoken to me, was I actually trusting him? Um, you know, no, I'd be just paying him lip service. And, you know, my behaviors would have showed that I didn't believe him at all. Um, and I guess it was kind of, you know, in a way, God sort of um, showing me, you know, in our times in life, in, in turbulence or troubles, you know, a bit bumpy and we don't really know what's going on, um, you know, and God says, trust me. Um, and we say, yeah, yeah, God, yeah, we trust you. <laughs> That's all good. And then we go back to our, you know, worrying and you know, stressing out and, you know, um, thinking like everything depends on us. Um yeah, I guess, you know, am I actually trusting God? Do we trust God actually, or do we just pay him a bit of lip service? Um, so, yeah, that kind of, I don't know, that, that image when I was, you know, bumping up and down in the plane, it kind of stuck for me um, uh, since then. And, you know, I won't say that I never had any fear and I always, you know, trust God for everything. No, it's a journey. Um, but I'm always reminded of, of what trust actually means um, and how it will show in our behaviors that we actually um, I love that story. That's a great image and a reminder for us, uh, whether we're on a plane or, like you said, in the turbulence of life. Exactly. So, Esther, we really appreciated having you here. But before we go, uh, if the travelers want to get connected with you, where can they find you on social media? Um, so um, look up our Facebook page. It's called Christian Backpackers Meetup Melbourne. Um, but if you start typing in Christian Backpackers M, it'll probably come up because we've not that new yet. Uh, and um, the Instagram is also there um, by the same name. Um, if you would like to contribute photos to our Instagram, that would be amazing. We're always looking for um, people to send in their photos um, of our yeah, travel um, relating to their face. So please get in contact if you'd like to do that. 
Um, and then I've just got a personal blog, which has, I guess, a lot of uh, my journeys, but also the thought process behind um, the things that I've been doing uh, on there. So you're welcome to check that one out as well. Um, so the website is www.avetintheoyster.blogspot.com. So that's uh, a vet in the oyster. Uh, do you want me to spell it out or how, like, what do you mean? Yeah, spell yeah, okay, it out. So, okay, so it's a vet in the oyster, A-V-E-T-I-N-T-H-E-O-Y-S-T-E-R.blogspot, B-L-O-G-S-P-O-T.com. Awesome, and I will link to all of that in the podcast. Awesome. Well, thank you, Esther, so much for joining us. We've appreciated having you here, and hopefully some of our travelers will get to meet you someday in Australia. Yeah, welcome. It's been my pleasure to um, be on this podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's quite exciting. New thing for me. Um, but, yeah, please get in touch. It'd be great to yeah, yeah, um, meet or even just yeah, put you in touch with other people that I know in the, in the part of the world. Okay, travelers. Uh one last thing before we sign off today. Uh, I hope that you've enjoyed this podcast episode and I encourage you to go check out Esther's Christian Backpackers Meetup group. Um, but also, I want to encourage you to leave a review on whatever podcast resource you are listening to. I love to hear your feedback and I would love to acknowledge you on our podcast as well. Um, but also, that helps us keep Christian Travelers Network relevant and visible to others so that they can also find this awesome resource. But until next time, safe travels and God bless.